Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Oh, so good to see you again. I, I feel like we're trading off every other week, it seems, we're doing it in person or not. Or... It's, it's good to be seen. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, how you doing? I'm I'm okay. I'm yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Solidly okay. Yeah, you just survived another Purge film. This yes. is the fifth, the fifth Purge film you've seen. Mm-hmm. So exciting, but we'll get to that. I, we, but we you did so. you you're you're doing so well these days. You're just taking it all in stride. I know. I mean, you know, we we live through. We're living through a purge. It does feel like that. So, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm okay because I'm living through one. Right. Yeah. Um, what else has been going on? How's your week been? Uh, week's been good. I um I got out of the house and did things in public spaces. I know, like what? Um, well, uh, we, I saw Jackie beat with you. I know that was so fun. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Jimmykins <sighs> came with Jimmykins. us. Yes, yes, yes. He was in the uh, what do you get the firing line, so yeah, to speak, the, the splash zone, <laughs> the splash zone. Um, and it was really cute to see him interact with Jackie. You know, because she's just, she was, I mean, you know, she could be more vicious, but I think she saw like his cute, sweet face and was just like, listen, let's not fuck him up too much. Let's kind of make fun of his job. Yeah. <laughs> not the first, not the first time back. <laughs> not, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, when he comes and sees the second show, he can, she'll be like, okay, you, I remember you. So, yeah, but it yeah. was good. It was fun. No, it was super fun. It was nice to get out to Gossip Girl. We hadn't been there in a long time here in San Diego, obviously. Um, yeah, it was just lovely, lovely, lovely to see you. And, and uh, you know, yeah, leave our houses and eat. And eat. Food we didn't make ourselves. And eat. <laughs> yes, we did eat. I had tachos. Tachos, yes. They were uh, quite a highlight of the night. Yes, tachos for the uninitiated are uh, tater tot nachos. Which sound just as good as you think. <laughs> and, you know, that way, whatever you think of that, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. They did look tasty. I didn't try any of them. I'm not a big fan of tater tots. Uh, I don't I don't know what it is. I've never, but anyways, that's a whole other, we don't need to get into this. Okay. Um, well, I mean, it's that Napoleon Dynamite. Like, when I see tater tots, I think about them, like, the greasy handful that he, like, shoves in his pocket and, like, zippers shut. It's, it's so gross. Yeah, it's so gross. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, and then you also went to see a show. Yes, at the La Jolla Playhouse, I went to oh. go see um, a some new material being worked on by uh, the comedian Hassan uh, Minhaj, so... Wonderful. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. It was night. The theater was packed, but uh, you know, per the updated CDC guidance, um, the the playhouse had asked that everybody be masked, and mask for mask, mask for mask, and there was no problem. I you know I wore two. I had my KN ninety five and I had my cloth mask over it, and it was uncomfortable as fuck. But I did it. 
and we made it through. You didn't. That is what is required of us. Yes, um, I love it. I'm very, I'm very happy that you you made it through. That yes. means. What have you been doing? Uh, it, just class mostly, um, school, and uh, you know, being classy. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> I did uh, check out the uh, A Quiet Place 2. It's streaming on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have to pay extra for it. So that was exciting. Um, it was. Have you watched it yet? I haven't watched the second one. No. Okay. But you saw the first one, right? Because yes, we did. talked a little bit about it. Did we do a whole episode on it? Or? No. We I don't just think talked so, no. about yeah. it. Um, yeah. So it was. I mean, I enjoyed it. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where once the they had the first film and kind of set it up of, of what it is. So it wasn't a total rehash, but it was still like, you know, everybody's got to be quiet because the monsters are out there. Uh, it also ended very abruptly, like I felt the first one did. So I'm assuming they're going to do a third movie. I hear there's a spinoff in the works as well. But if you have Paramount Plus, you know, might as well check it out or, you know... We could do a uh, double feature sometime and watch it again. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I I always enjoy seeing Emily Blunt do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else. Um, you know, I've been rewatching episodes uh, because it's like I'm so busy with schoolwork, like doing this intense, as I've complained enough on the show uh, for our dear listeners, but doing these like intense six week classes, you know, where like a whole semester, you know, 16 weeks is like crammed into, you know, just a few weeks. It's really like, uh, it's just, it's a lot. Like I'm constantly reading. Uh, so I just, I haven't really had that much time to, or brain power to really want to watch anything too new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been like rewatching old episodes of animal kingdom cause the new season just started. And so it's kind of fun just to revisit some of the older stories. Uh, I did finish why women kill season two. Uh, that was, I mean, it kind of ended where I thought it was going, but it was a fun ride, very Desperate Housewives type comedy, uh, very catty and, you know. And as you know. Queer. Yeah. <laughs> catty queer. Uh, no, it wasn't even, actually it really wasn't all that queer, but it's very catty. It has that sensibility. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's if camp. it's very catty, then there's a camp element, which means that it's yeah. inherently queer. Ah, I see. Thank you yes. for that. Uh, the clothing is awesome. I mean, it's set in the '40s, so I always love that. Like with Ratchet, and, yeah. I love a I love a costume piece. You, know? you love a very structured, tailored. Yes. Piece. Yeah, big hats. You know, bold colors. <laughs> very interesting. Uh, lines you know collars <laughs> on the women all the men dress boring but yep. the women's clothing is all amazing uh I'm trying to think what else what else have we done it's been kind of a it's been kind of a blah week because uh, you know again i am just digging through schoolwork. uh boo <laughs> not no, too much like, to catch up on. of my week was those two performances. So, right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, it's the same. I, I worked really hard, uh, on getting all my schoolwork done and classwork done so that I could just enjoy the weekend. And then the weekend has been, you know, doing nothing. Like, <laughs> been, like just resting my brain after, you know, getting to see Jackie being around all those people, you know, all the, all the lesbians at the Casa Grill. <laughs> Restore your power. Uh, I was going to ask you if you saw going around. Um, oh, my phone doesn't recognize my face behind the microphone. I should redo it. So you know, <laughs> uh, Alok Vaid Menon is that the name? Um, uh, yes. The gender. Did you see that going around? I saw that people were posting their um, a clip with them in it, but I didn't know. I didn't read the clip. I did see what you posted, your quote from it. Right, yeah, I shared the uh, the article. Uh, Are you ready to heal non-binary activists? Alok Vaid Menon, I, I'm, I, I'm probably butchering that, deconstructs gender uh, during a clip uh, or during a, an appearance on the podcast Man Enough, which I've never heard before, but I'm, I might have to start checking that out. 
but I really liked how they were addressing like how the gender binary hurts everyone, not just trans people. I was trying to see what they... Let's see, where's the... There was a really good quote. Should have had this all before. Anyways, the point is, is that... I really enjoyed the reframe of that article and the conversation because so often when people are like, oh, I'm an ally, like I'm here to help you, I'm here to protect you, I'm here to like stand up for you as like an ally, whether that's as a white person against, um, you know, anti-blackness, you know, or if it's a straight person, you know, for anti-queerness or men for women, you know, sometimes that, that's one of the problems with, um, we've discussed before with the mending is, is the idea that we're, we need to protect women and that's not the conversation. The conversation is how, uh, even though, yes, we need to fight sexism, obviously we need to fight misogyny. We also need to address it within ourselves and how we are also injured by it. And so I really enjoyed that conversation going around because I'm taking this right now, this class gender science and technology. And so we've been doing a lot of reframing and talking about like uh, discourse, uh, dominant discourses, uh, challenging these ideas of gender. Where does it even come from? Like what are these scientific quote unquote basis for gender, for sex, which a lot of it is bullshit a lot of it is patriarchy a lot of it is white supremacy and misogyny and homophobia and all these things that have been kind of infused into science and then you know weaponized and so what i really loved uh and again not maliciously weaponized you know people that you know they want to tell you like it's just science like they believe that you know i don't think that they're necessarily all out there like you know, fuck you and your identity. Like, I just think that they're, they've been trained and taught a certain uh, epistemology Mm -hmm. of, of, of science, you know, a certain um, viewpoint. So what I loved about the piece to actually get to my fucking point (laughs) is that it's a reframe of that. It's like, no, I don't need you to help or heal me or protect me. I am actually here to help you with your trauma. Like, I'm here to be a reflection of, like, what you could be if you were freed of the straight jacket of gender, mm-hmm. of gendered expectations. And it was just this really great... I mean, it, this isn't a new conversation, but it kind of took off and was sort of everywhere all of a sudden. Everybody was sharing that article and talking about it, and I just really appreciated that sort of reframe because that's kind of where I've been trying to come from myself for, you know, when I discuss, like, queerness and whatnot. Even though... Sometimes it is hard to always commit 100% when when you don't feel safe. That was kind of a little bit part of the conversation they were having. It's like that commitment, like, I have a right to exist as I am without anybody messing with me. Um, But still, you know, just this idea that you're the one that needs to heal. You're the one that needs to be protected because you are still, like, trapped in this this frame. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. I'm just curious, you know, if you had read any of that or seen any of that. I think there's a lot of that conversation happening now where these like dominant discourses around like beauty, around gender, around, you know, all of all of those things. It's like it's all it's all a trap. You know, it's all like falseness. And so how do we free ourselves from that conversation? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this is really heavy i yeah (laughs) i read the article (laughs) i know yeah sorry i mean i just like we uh, suddenly i was like i don't really have anything to talk about but i read this really interesting article talk about fucking gender and i'm like oh girl we're gonna talk well i mean you know we're on the the, show talking about you know queerness and and, and, it it comes up a lot and and I, i actually was really um i really do need to read the article because the quote that you posted resonated with me so much because it's just like yeah like what it also is a way to also unpack like my own like my own complex of like what that means to be an ally right mm. it's just like we're we if you if we want to be intersectional about it and apply it in other ways you know they're black women are out here saving us you know literally saving us in very many ways and we're thinking that we're the ones who need to be the ally right right in 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 those things and so and the gender topic is so interesting because I don't, I think that within the last 
four or five years, last four or five years, I've been, I have been, I've allowed myself to express, uh, to play with gender a little bit more. Um, and I, I always go back to this because it's um, the book uh, Amateur by Thomas Page McBee, where it it also poses some questions about what that means to be a person of trans experience, and especially um, a man of trans experience that is um, that is trying to you know transition into masculinity, but then inherent masculinity being this inherently toxic and harmful thing and so how do you do how do you how do you as a trans person negotiate an identity that is also one that is harmful or has harmed or the the kind of like you know the stereotypes are have like harmed right and how do you reimagine that and yeah and it's interesting to think about it because i feel like a lot of i feel like people non-binary folks it's like wow maybe we should just either identify as either uh, a woman or non-binary and just completely not identify in the masculine anymore because i don't know I, that's just a weird thought that i've had recently yeah i mean i think that's what kind of like there's so much i'm again i've opened this like giant can of worms now like talking about gender in this way uh <laughs> But I mean, it obviously, you know, gets explored a lot in horror and whatnot. Like, what does it mean to be like the final girl or what does it mean? You know, I mean, we're constantly playing with gender and like the to- and toxic masculinity yeah. plays a big part in slasher films. Yeah. And I mean, and the only way, you know, I mean, as uh, the the way that the final girl reasserts her power or overcomes is, you know, she becomes like the man, you know, right. the phallus and all of that. Men, women, and chainsaws. Right. It. <laughs> exactly. Get your foundational text. Uh, but is there a way for, and that's, is, is there a way to have the final girl where they don't take on the aspects of masculinity instead that they take on they're fully femme or right. But even the the bigger question is like, what does any of that actually mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm very excited to see a world as we continue to, to grow and change knowing my friend who has a teenager, a 13 year old at home and how just sort of ambivalent gender is becoming and how ambivalent, like, you know, these sort of like, diverse sexualities (laughs) although i would say it's far more normal to not be straight and like you know (laughs) you know like the continuum you know it's rare to be 100 homosexual or 100 heterosexual to use the clinical terms that are gross but it just you know that's the discussion uh and again there doesn't have to be anything inherently wrong with being a man it's these ideas of what that means and the same thing like when we talk about like you know part of the critique of drag from feminists and from radical feminists is like what exactly are you saying about women so it's like there's so i mean that's just to throw one tiny other wrench into it you know if you if you are you know non-binary well what does that like what does that really mean like what is masculine what is feminine and that's kind of the thing and that's why it's like i i don't really identify as non-binary but i don't really identify with any you know there's lots of things in in culture that i think are fun to do you know and fun to like engage with that might be considered feminine or might be considered masculine you know i mean certainly when i was growing up like horror films were very like a guy thing even though i got it from my mother obviously but you know that's you know how we have seen let me let me just put the mic wherever uh, but you know like those shiftings of like the, the the different things that we consider to be boys things and girls things and it's just i don't know i've always just found it all silly and i think most a lot of people probably do but then we wouldn't be, you know, in these terrible conversations if people didn't, you know, really hold fast to those ideas. Yeah. I just really like the idea of, like, when we talk to people or, you know, when you're engaging with people who consider themselves normal, quote unquote, to be like, I, you know, I, I think it's fun to be like, well, I'm sad for you. Like, that's, that must be a sad life to be normal, to be mm-hmm. gray. <laughs> to be beige who wants to be beige <laughs> I, it, it's just kind of a fun reframe it, it's fun to like challenge those assumptions it's fun to challenge like um, you're not doing anything for me like I am free I'm 100% myself I am lucky to be able to be myself I would start questioning you know within your 
worldview. Like, are you truly 100% yourself? And a lot of people probably are. I mean, again, I'm not trying to say like, oh, all straight people are like straight jacketed by gender. Some people are perfectly happy. And I think that's what we want to get to is that anybody should be free to express their selves however they want, as long as it's truly honest and truly space, you know, for them to, to, to be themselves. And by having more people that are breaking down those barriers, it just gives more and more people permission to be like, well, you know what, actually I have never liked this thing. Mm -hmm. And I always did it because I thought I was supposed to, because I'm a boy or I'm a girl, you know, it's kind of nice to, to, to see more of that being deconstructed and more space being made for everyone. Mm -hmm. That's the real, that's the real goal. Mm -hmm. Again, Audre Lorde basking in our differences. That's where power actually is. Oh, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, this was just a really, uh, we're just filling time, having a conversation. Shall we take a break and we'll come back to discuss the forever purge? Yes. That's what we'll do then. <laughs> Meanwhile, in New Jersey. So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. All right, welcome back. Uh, So from one heavy conversation to another, as I'm sure we will have with this, uh, the Forever Purge. The Purge series, they always... They always bring about the conversation. We did uh, earlier this year, we watched what for January, right? All of our January episodes. Mm-hmm. January 2021 was all devoted to the Purge franchise. It, both on this show and in our country. Right, exactly. It felt very purgy. Uh, Blessed be the new founding fathers. <laughs> yeah. Lord. So oh, today we are here to discuss the Forever Purge. It was just uh, released, what, July 4th? July 2nd, but for that, for that, uh, for the holiday, for the weekend. Uh, Oh, I forgot that it had been pushed back a whole year because it was due to come out last uh, July 2020. Anyways, uh, continuing, you know, dystopian horror, super fun. We've got directed by Everardo Gout, G-O-U-T, Gout, Gout, Hout, Hout. <clears throat> written by James DeMonico, who has written all of the films, and I think he directed the first few, right? I think so, uh, yes. Yeah. So, let's see, who do we got? We've got Ana de la Reguera, Tenoc Huerta, Josh Lucas, Discount... Uh, discount Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, we discovered. Uh, Cassidy Freeman, Levin Raman, Alejandro Era, Will Patton. Oh, that's who that was. Yeah. Will Patton. Zahn McLarnan. Zahn McLarnan, as you uh, <laughs> figured out throughout the film. I was like, is that Zane McLaren? No, that's Zahn McLarnan. I'm like, okay. As a uh, Kiago. From Westworld. Kiago. Uh, yeah, so lots of uh, lots of folks here, as usual. I mean, the, Pur- the Purge films always have like 50,000 cast members you know, running around you know, shooting each other. Uh, Jason Blum, Michael Bay, Brad Fuller, along with others on production. It's like 50 different titles you know, for like all the everybody. Platinum Dunes, Blumhouse, we're all here. Uh, let's see, I had found something I, to sort of introduce the topic a little bit here. So, The Purge and The Forever Purge, this is from Variety, I really like this. Uh, the Purge and The Forever Purge has become an orgy of violence for right-wing extremists and white supremacists. It's their chance to cleanse America of the people they hate. The Forever Purge plays like the Capitol Riot restage as an ultra-violent zombie movie. You watch it and think, has America finally caught up with The Purge? Or have The Purge films caught up with America? A little of both, perhaps? 
Um, the Forever Purge is set in Texas, a place that likes to think of itself as having invented the idea that the law should consist of a man, his firearms, and not much else. Until now, the series has encouraged us to think of the Purge as a city thing, all those residents of highly populated epicenters with their pent-up rage. But the notion of a Purge film done as a demented Western action movie strikes a chord, especially when you toss in the topical Molotov cocktail that the Forever Purge is built around. That's a really good uh, way to put it, Molotov cocktail, because it, it's like, what is this film trying to say? There's like, I wrote so many notes that are all like, wait a second, hold on, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is from this perspective. No, it's from this. It's from all. Joe, thoughts on the Forever Purge? Uh, it was fun. Yeah, you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. It would was you watch it again. I would watch it again. Hey, um, this is one of those another notch. Uh, this is one of those movies that, um, that like again, like we were talking a little bit afterwards uh, after watching it. That you know, it's not so much horror as it is an action film. Yes, very much so. So yeah. I mean, the horrific elements is that murder's legal, right? But, right. Right, uh, we're used to that by now. So you gotta, you gotta do something bigger. Exactly. Purge, so, purge people. So I think like the purge is one of those. Is this whole series is like something that I would show people who, um, who are horror hesitant or HH, you know, as we as we say. Yeah, I love that. The horror hesitant, and we would just show them this, and then let them know that like you know, there's a there's a there is a larger existential horror that's lumped on top of the action and violence. But yeah, I I did enjoy it. Um, nice to see Anna Anna de Riguera, right? Anna de Riguera. Anna uh, de la Riguera. Um, she was also in Army of the Dead. Um, she gets her neck snapped in Army of the Dead. Uh, spoiler alert. That's right. And she also um, and uh, she was also the nun. <laughs> I didn't realize this. She was the nun in um, Nacho Libre. Which I have not seen. I had to look up her IMDb, um, but yeah, it was it was it was really good. I'm curious to see how many different places we're gonna go in this conversation because I didn't take notes, but I like you thought like, okay, now what we're talking now we're talking about something different. Now yeah. we're here. Now yeah. we're here. Yeah, so. I thought it kind of kept uh, switching narratives. So this yeah. is available. You can rent it for like the theatrical release. Uh, price whatever nineteen ninety nine that's what we did uh, or you can I think still go see it in the theater possibly uh, so it's set from from what I'm gathering from Wikipedia because I don't know if they did a good job of kind of exactly explaining what's going on but um, maybe I was reading or writing another note and missed it but it's set in twenty forty eight so eight years after. Charlene Rohn's presidential election so that was the woman who ended the purge. In uh, election year, right? <laughs> Gosh, I need like a purge map. Um, where's our vulture? Where's our purge timeline? Come on, right? So the new founding fathers have regained control of the U.S. government and have quickly brought back the purge with its original rules. So this included that now the uh, government officials were protected again because uh, they had pulled that, you know, in order to try to kill uh, President Roan or you know, soon to be president. Senator Rohn at the time. Senator Rohn. And so the big conversations happening here are now there's like widespread white supremacy, racial supremacy, uh, and uh, nativism. So the idea of like, you know, being born here is, you know, uh, is more important. That's valuable. Although, again, that was murky as well because no, what they really mean is like being white. Like as long as you're white. (laughs) So yeah, and so this concerns a couple uh, who uh, um, a couple who have illegally right. They use they kind of snuck into America. They're working on ones as a farmhand. One is um, illegal. I, the, the whole conversation is so fucking annoying. Uh, illegals. That's it's just undocumented nonsense, migrant. right? Um, so they're in Texas uh, because of like the drug cartel. It's just, it gets, it, you, the film unfolds in lots of, in mm-hmm. interesting ways. So anyway, so they're working uh, here in America, obviously, about almost a year goes by that they've been here, and Purge Night comes, yay, we're gonna purge, 
Awesome. They made it just in time. Right, for just their in first time. Merge. Yeah. Um, well, no, not just. I mean, it was like ten months later, so they yeah, had but, time. They could have left. But that's the know. thing is that like they they <laughs> instead of like coming over during the oh that's true during yeah President during Roan yeah, yeah 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 so that's true they're coming just as it's all reinstated. Uh, lucky them. Um, so. They go, you know, locked down for the night. The purge for this film happens in, like, what, 10 minutes? It's, like, very quickly the night of the purge. However, this film seeks to sort of un- to go- answer the very first question I had when I first saw the purge, and it's ended. I went, well, why would people just end there? Why, you know, why? Like, why not keep going? You know, what happens the next day when you have to look at your neighbor who's maybe killed, you know, some family member of yours, like where, what happens then? And this film kind of seeks to answer that a little bit in the fact that now the purge is just going to be forever and a whole group, uh, of proud boys or, uh, militia, whatever. I'm trying to think of like the real world, you know. These insurrectionists yes. uh, have uh, you know, they've gotten organized. They've got they've got the internet, they've got cell phones. It's like, hey y'all, we're not gonna stop the purge. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna keep it going. Hashtag ever after purge. Set everything on fire. And that's kind of where the film goes from there. It's just about oh, yeah. uh, what happens when a bunch of armed insurrectionists decides to attack every city in America. And do their own their own purge forever. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's like okay, so we all knew that the bad people were the NFFA because right. they're they're also the ones who are uh, keeping the purge, perpetuating the purge by right. putting in like armed people, you know, putting in armed people. So right, they the sent in folks. yeah their mercenaries to help continue because we, as we knew in the first the the very the the first purge film, not no. God damn it. This is where we're going to get into trouble. In the film called The First Purge, yes. we know that the initial experiment did not go the way they wanted it to go because people were like, we're just going to party. We're not really going to kill each other. Uh, so they had to like instigate it. They had to get people to kill each other. And then from then on, you know, kind of encourage people to actually engage in it because they were trying to kill all the poor people and all the black people and all the brown people and, you know, all of that. So, yeah, you're right. The NFFA created this problem. Yeah. Yeah. And now they've seen themselves become, you know, victims of their own creating. Yeah. You know, I do have to say, again, this was... Let me see. When was the production done? Because the insurrection here happened, what, January 6, 2021? January 6, yeah. Yeah. So this was already done and in the can long before, because they were going to release it last year. So it is sort of, again, like prescient, like the like horror operates in such a way that it can kind of respond and see the extreme of something, because that is sort of what this reflects in in a very real way is like the this insurrection that happened where and all these like conservative types like pearl clutching like oh I cannot believe this is happening it's like you created this like this is this is exactly what you you know you should be well aware that this is what's happening like these republic grunts you know uh all acting like and that i wrote that down there was a scene where the um nffa was like anybody seen with like a flag an ever ever after flag you know this uh forever purge flag will be arrested it's kind of like the maga hats you know that's sort of what you know this flag this imagery Mm -hmm. is is replacing the red hat and I'm just like, oh, the hypocrisy. Like, it's so perfect. Because it really, it does feel like it's responding to that. Like, this, we are only going to get worse as, the, as we continue to fan the flames. And now we're seeing more and more, as these trials have started that happened with the insurrection, we're seeing more and more, like, Republicans are like, oh, no, I have no idea how this happened. Uh, and now they're trying to blame... clearly people that you know we have like the words that trump said like we have all of these other republicans their words on you know recorded of like encouraging people to burn things down basically going no oh no i had nothing to do with this Mm -hmm. i would never (laughs) how dare i never say this (laughs) 
<clears throat> you must have misheard. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so obviously that's lighter. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's exactly what they should uh, use as video footage for that song. Yeah. On tour if they ever tour again. So so yeah, on the like the surface, that is obviously sort of what this is speaking to is like what happens when this just gets more and more out of control. Uh, I also really like the you know the whole concept behind the. Uh, the insurrection where it's like we love the police and we love the military but we will gun them down and we will you know what i mean and now they're all talking about how bad the police are and how bad the you know the military are because they had the audacity to try to stop them from killing you know pelosi and the like mm-hmm. uh, so it's just, we're seeing that here as well where it's like you know oh we're proud to be an american and we love the military and we love the police as long as they're not in threatening white people. Now there's a problem. You know, now, oh, no, now I get it. So anyways, that's very on the surface. I I felt like some of the other things, uh, obviously right at the beginning of the film, like assimilation, language is colonization, like the whole conversation about, um, Gosh, I'm already forgetting their everybody's names. I have the worst. I tell you, Juan Adela. And Adela. Juan and Adela, because Adela's like, listen, I know English. Juan, you got to learn English. You got to. Yeah. You, you got to learn. She's it. all up in that Duolingo app, learning like speaking yeah. that, living that best Duolingo life. There. She absolutely. And so there's that kind of an interesting conversation about again internal, like like we've talked about before, internal colonization and how we like this is you know for the best that we should learn and you know and uh you know you have you have to do it this is our home now yeah which was which i thought was fascinating because i'm mm-hmm. just like if there's one place where i feel like at least i like at least in the the myth that is america right you can be like fully mexican you know what i mean like they could have been like we live here now but she 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 was very intent on like assimilation, right? And she did mention like you know we can be everything. You can like Italy is here. All of these different things are here. You America is everything. But she also kind of like contradicts herself because she's like, well, speak English and don't think about Mexico as home anymore. This is your home now, type of thing. Yeah, it was kind of that was one of the things where it's like I was trying to figure out what is being said. Uh, as somebody who's not, um, you know, I was born and raised in freaking Ohio. So it's like, I do, you know, I, I don't, sometimes I'm surprised. Like I've had conversations with people who have immigrated here who are like, no, I still like have these like nice thoughts of America. I've gone to other countries where I don't really always want to tell people I'm American, but then they get really excited, uh, for whatever reason. So there are still these uh, ideologies out there about America. Um, so, but there was just part of me sitting there listening to their conversation that I'm like, God, is this like some like neoliberals idea of what like, uh, you know, a, a Mexican person would have like, you know, these like lovey dovey feelings of, you know, coming to America. Cause I feel like there has to be some, there also has to be like a reckoning with the, like the racism and like the very clear police like video footage that like obviously this isn't some dream place if you don't fit this particular idea of what you know some americans think you should look like in order to be considered american so i I don't know that that was just another one of those things where i'm like what exactly is how is this going to be some sort of like (sighs) weird ode to like how wonderful america can be like if everybody just holds hands and you know but again, it kept sort of twisting and playing with that, you know, throughout. Um, but that was one way, like, to, like kind of addressing, you know, colonization and assimilation, right? Sort of at the beginning. Uh, I also love the commerce of the purge. <laughs> like as she's walking through town, you see like the different signs, like forty percent off purge sale. Like it's just so. Uh, the purge is so perfectly American. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I can't, I'm not very good with like the Western kind of thing. Like I never watched Western movies or cowboys and, you know, those sorts of films, but obviously that was another discussion happening about the, the definition of a cowboy. Um, you know, what is like what it means to be like a proud American and what it means to be a cowboy. 
yeah, because it's such a it's so built into like the Western like the the Western myth, uh, Western imagery is so built in the mytho- into the mythology of it being American, right? And for it to all take like you mentioned earlier, like for it to all take place in Texas, which is you know this very erratically independent. I mean. W- I, I, it, it would be interesting to see like how this it's also a commentary on Texas I mean as we saw this year right. with um, the complete uh, the complete implosion of the Texas power grid uh, and there that kind of that like feelings of like isolationism within Texas that's also something that's a comment that this is a commentary on too yeah yeah definitely definitely I, I, I do think to some degree and yeah it feels like Texas is this like wild west place so again like playing with these themes and using texas as a as the place to tell this story obviously is very pointed and again i do some of the things that like always worry me about like and watching this film okay so when we talked about like get out like every you know get out is not a film about like honky racism you know, it's about the people who would open their arms. Like, what mm-hmm. sort what sort of insidious thoughts do they have that they, you know, don't think of as being racist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or being, like, evil. And and so there were parts of this film watching it where it's like, again, I, I think it's... Um, there's a danger of... Like, the kind of racism at play... Is is only the is only this this is what racism is evil guys in trucks evil white guys in trucks shooting down people of color or people they think are mm-hmm. you know of color um, or whatever you know of, of, from another place you know, not yeah. true Americans and so it's like I always think that that's you know, kind of that that's why I get this this film in particular gets really murky for me I'm like I'm not exactly sure what we're what are we trying to say? But I think I think that's part of it too, is because everyone yeah. has their own motivation. The obviously the when you you the guy who is one of the ranch hands who is like you know this money is to basically make sure that we live through the night so we can continue being slaves. Right, right. Um, yeah, the ranch hands who are who are employed by the Josh the Lucas, the Tuckers. Yeah, the Tuckers. Uh, they all see themselves as being enslaved, and I thought that was interesting because he's guy white. Does. Well, yeah, yeah that guy. White... But he obviously convinced the others. Well, I mean, but that's the thing. He is a white man right. who's doing this, like, the menial labor. And, like, I have... Th- that's something where when I think about that's something that really enrages me and in and really gets my blood boiling is when you have primarily white people who are just like this is so degrading or this like i am basically working for slave wages and 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 very well you might be but at the same time it's like it's because of white supremacy that you feel you're entitled to more yeah and capitalism oh and capitalism. well right 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 yeah. right no never mind i see where you're going ignore that so yes, because because of their own internal sense of like white supremacy, they yes. feel entitled to more. Exactly. So that so that becomes his motivation for it. It's now this right. is this is the poor rising up. This is the villagers picking up the pitchforks and you know seizing the means of production in his mind. Right. Right. But quite when, literally. Quite literally. Yeah. But in actuality, what it is is it's it's a way for white people to get what it is that they're owed. Right, and Caleb kind of points that out. The Will Will Patton's character, where mm-hmm. he's like, "You're playing right into these like rich dudes." It's just like yeah. you know the the conversation we've had about like joining the military. Like, I'm protecting freedom. Like, no, you're protecting like eight dudes billions of dollars. That's what you're doing. Uh, to to a large extent, <laughs> you know that that that's the function. And I wrote that down too. The purge as liberation revolution question because that's another thing that's like that's one of the narratives like yeah and we i think we talked about this on one of our purge episodes where it's like why don't we all band together as the poor people and go over to the billionaire's house cut his head off and redistribute his assets that's kind of that's one of the conversations happening here i feel like a lot of different scenarios that we've discussed about the purge movies were all trying to be addressed yeah like well what happens if yeah if the poor decide no fuck this we're not going to shoot each other we're going to go and 
kill all of our bosses and take their shit and yeah. and take our labor but our what what our labor has built we're going to take that back so you have a little bit of that faction yeah you have uh obviously yeah the because that's always kind of a part of it the people who just love chaos and just want to blow up buildings and set things on fire that's you know always a good question but also um in the morning who cleans all this up and we kind of see that. We see the crews going through and picking up the bodies and washing the blood off the sidewalk. So there's like that kind of conversation happening. There's the, because of the nature of where they're at, yet yeah, immigration, like what does it mean to, what does it mean for the U.S. to become so unsafe that we need to flee? <laughs> Which we saw a little bit with COVID, like the COVID conversation, like, no, 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 oh, no. Yeah. We're not letting Americans into our country because you're all diseased and yeah. crazy. <laughs> So it's like there's so much packed into this. Uh, how how even long was this movie? It moved really fast. It was like a hundred minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was a hundred and nine minutes. Really quick. Uh, and and like I, said, I took so many notes because I was just like, there's a lot happening. Um, what was it? something else I wrote? The oh something about the that's what I wanted to bring up with the um, with the flags is sort of like the conservative reversal. Like, have you seen that with COVID now? Like, because I think the numbers, the statistics are showing that a lot of people who are getting really really sick and dying are on the conservative spectrum. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to see some of these conservative hosts like do reversal of like, oh, people, you should, you should like be worried about COVID. Like, I mean, I'm not saying get a vaccine, but get a vaccine uh, because but they're all, you, that, and that's the hypocrisy of it all. Yeah. Because like in order to work in the building at Fox news, you have to be vaccinated. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But they all are realizing they're killing their base. Yeah. They are, they're allowing the people who like, you know, uh, care about them to die. <laughs> and then the ones, and, and so there's that left. Right? Yeah. There's that, this whiplash effect suddenly happening where I'm seeing a lot more conversations towards like, we should be taking this a lot more serious folks because we need your votes in a couple years. <laughs> die then, but it, you know, let us, uh, let us get <laughs> back in. So it just, part of that, that conversation when they were going around like, Oh, we have to stop this. We need to send in the military. It's like, you, this is already burning out of control and you created it. Uh, so I, I just thought that was sort of an interesting reflection of, of these, uh, you know, killing our own base, quote yeah. unquote. Uh, what are we going to do? Um, I, I, I really like, so like, again, what I'm, I'm trying to do this thing where if I really want to see a movie, I don't really engage with anything beyond the teaser trailer. Yeah. Um, unless I just really want to like, you know, just really get like, like I'm just like emotionally edging right <laughs> to right. to to see a film. And so with this I saw the one trailer and that was it and in the trailer it's the it's the trap like again this is like saw right <laughs> yeah. where like she's trying to where Adela's trying to free a goat or free a goat and then she gets trapped and have and hearing her yell like you know the purge is over the purge is over it's like you know basically oh she done already done had purged like don't don't <laughs> Don't, uh, don't this was kill. supposed to be over. It's supposed to be over. But, and then it's like, no, this is the forever purge. Right. We're just beginning. <laughs> yeah. This is just the beginning. Yeah. So, you, so, so what's revealed, right, is there's now, there's three types of thinking and three types of mentality about the purge. There is the purge as, um, as worker revolution, right? As working class revolution. There's the purge as mania. And then there's the purge as um, the white supremacy realized, right? This is the type of, is the three different ways yeah. that the purge is manifested. Just in this film alone, which, right. which like it's sprinkled throughout the other four, but in this one, it's really like, we're really trying to hit all of the bases with it. Yeah, I don't think there's any subtext. Like, I mean, we're kind of following up because we did the Purge series. So obviously, you know, we're going to talk about this movie and it's, you know, we would have done a field trip and, you know, saw it in the theater if things weren't, you know, on fire again here in California, so to speak. Um, but yeah, there's not, I mean, it's, it's kind of all there. I'm you, on the surface. I mean, even like the native American population that's going to help them because they're all, because basically Mexico and Canada are like, we will take us 
unarmed U.S. refugees for six hours. And then that becomes, so first it's sort of like about surviving the, you know, the killing on the ranch. So they, they survive that and then they go, you know, trying to get to each other, whatever, you know, they, they're like the mini crises that happen of like, you know, saving each other and running into purgers or running into these um, disinfecting quote unquote crews that are like, you know, wild racists who are just murdering anybody, you know, that doesn't again fit their purview. But because Canada and Mexico decide to let in refugees, but only for a six-hour window. So and they're in Texas, and they've got to get to the border. So then that becomes the thing. And then, obviously, the border shuts down, of course, because we got to have more conflict. And then it's the Native people who live on the border. They know the secret passageways, of course, uh, to guide them through the mountains and into Mexico, you know, uh, you know, without the, the bureaucracy. It's a little magical. It is. They show <laughs> up and, but I'm, it is addressed again. There are quite a few times where the purge becomes very meta. I, I think in this film, you know, there, there are a few times that comments and some of the stuff I've already talked about, like a character actually says, you know, like it's a, ah, yes, we, well, we get what's yeah. happening. And like, Will Patton is a, is a brilliant actor. Like yeah. this, uh, the love that this movie came out also at the same time Minari comes out and he's brilliant in that as well. But to have his like final speech, cause again, spoiler alert, if you're listening to this, you've watched it already or you have no desire to watch it and you just want to hear us <laughs> talk. Um, his like final speech before he gets for he for he gets shot is this whole basically let me give you the primer about what the purge really is right yeah and, he and laid it all out exactly here let me just lay it all out and like hey I'm fully aware that you know I'm a rich white man I made money off of you being like poorer and all that stuff and it was just so it was so delicious that like his summation and a lot of that exposition and at the same time just being like, yeah, but like still fuck you and, right. and, and, and get it done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there were just kind of moments like that, but when the, like with the, the native, uh, the indigenous, uh, did they even give an actual tribal name? No, but he does talk about, he's like a native American activist. Yeah. Zon, uh, McLaren who pops up throughout the film, Kiago, uh, he said he's like you know he makes like a comment like we've been at we've been doing this for 500 years yeah so again it brings up when we talked about uh blood quantum mm -hmm. uh, and even when we talked a little bit about the purge in particular the first purge like the purge is only really new to white folk <laughs> to some extent like if you have been living in america as a white person you know for the last 100 years like your life has never you're not really at it being threatened with walking out on the street to go buy some cigarettes or go walk down the street to see a friend or stand on a corner somewhere or just be openly white and be at risk of being shot down by police or otherwise murdered because somebody else just decides by you're not state. worth, right. Yeah. But either by state violence or just by racist white supremacy, you're not really at risk, but this is, that's a real concern for a lot of people. And, you know, especially for, you know, indigenous, for tribal peoples who, you know, have been watching their land become less and less and less and watching it be destroyed and watching, you know, these pipelines and all the, the conversations that have been happening. Like the purge is not some figment, uh, you know, of their imagination, the zombie apocalypse, like the idea of being like overrun by, invading forces is not is not new it's 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 not even ancient memory yeah. it's very i mean it's within generations of people like this was their you know their reality so for that to be you know again like yeah we're here saving you because we always save you we're always yeah. the ones helping you know you learn how to plant and you know engage with the land properly so you can feed yourselves and now you've murdered all of us <laughs> so it, it was just kind of again it's very there's not a lot of subtext like we're not needing to you know but you can also tell like like I love the way that uh, Zama McLaren played it because he's just looking yeah. at it like 
I guess. Like, <laughs> was, right. And then he even said, he even says when he's talking to Juan in, um, when Kiago's talking to Juan in the truck, he's just like, well, some of you deserve a second chance. Right. And then some of you don't. And I wanted them, I wanted him to say that and then look over at Josh Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> at the white people. At the white people would be like. Who is a, a segregationist we find in the film. Like he's, yes. he's like, no, listen, I don't think I'm better than you or any, or you're better than me. None of that. Like we just should all be separate. Which is such, <laughs> <laughs> like it's such an it's so old that, mm. that that's such a racist idea but it's also such an old right separate race. but equal it, exactly yeah. it's yeah. very it's like it was like wow josh ferguson josh lucas is this walking plessy versus ferguson right <laughs> Yeah, so I was because obviously the racism comes out because he is kind of a dickhead in the beginning of the film. Before, uh, he, like these films like to do, he's got to be saved by the very people he's treating like shit. Yeah. Uh, although, again, it is sort of it's murky exactly yeah. why is it because of pride? Is it because he's a exactly. racist? I mean, obviously. And so what know, we but, what we were talking about too, and then again, this is like a listener. This is why I love. Love, love, love watching movies in the living room with Joshua. We can work things out. <laughs> I'm not just there, like fretting in my room while, like, at watching horrible things unfurl. I'm. I, we can we can talk about some other things. It's it, they're making like um, Josh Lucas's character, the Tucker family, be like the the quote unquote reasonable conservative people right the, yeah. the very the like the log cabin republicans of it all the lincoln project type republicans the anna navarros of it all who are like you know fuck trump i'm still a republican but fuck trump type of thing and it's so fascinating to see that tension there because it's like okay we have morals and we understand that these people are you know their people but at the same time, like him being, they're this, still like, not us. They're still not us, and right. like y'all need to do what you. And it was, it was also like the fact that they had that conversation, Juan and um, Josh Lucas's character. I, I forget his name already. Um, Juan and uh, Dylan. Dylan, thank you. Yeah, Juan and it's Dylan. Caleb and Dylan. Dylan, yeah. Uh, so Juan and Dylan are having that conversation about like, and Juan's just like, I know you hate Mexican people. And he's like, I don't hate you. It's just like, I don't understand you. Right. And it's like, and that's almost like, that's almost kind of one in the same in a certain, in, in the context of purge, but also in the context of just like racism and prejudice. It's like we, it comes off as like you hate them. And it comes off as like, I, I don't know what it is that you I don't know what you're all about, and therefore the it's very xenophobic. Like right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say that is sort of yeah gets to the root of like of compassion, of empathy, of sonder. You know that mm -hmm. like you are a human who has a very complex life, like me. You know, yeah. and like that's that's the end. That's all you need to understand is that everybody that is here didn't ask to be here, didn't ask yeah. to be born. We just are, and we have, we are, we born against our will. Right. And we have to make do with the circumstances we have. And, and we have to trust that everybody, you know, is in kind of the same predicament. You know, we're all on this like one way ticket to death. <laughs> so all of these conversations, all of these, like such a happy conversation. No, but I mean, it's just true. Yeah. Like racism, all of it's so petty. Like, I think that's, again, I have existential anxiety, existential dread, you know, when I stand back and realize, like, so much of life has absolutely no meaning, you have to, you, we're here to hopefully make it better. Hopefully that's your idea, is you want to make the world a better place. You want to, you know, give people a reason to have a good memory of you once you're gone, and maybe in that memory pass on whatever hope you give them or whatever kindness you give. Uh, but we are so mired in, like, racism and working ourselves to death, and it's just so depressing. It's so petty. So, again, which is why, going back to the deeper conversation we had in the first part of the episode in talking about gender... I just don't, I refuse to waste my life, you know, being fearful of other people's constructs, you know, and, and living within other people's ideas of what should and shouldn't be. It's just, it's, it's too depressing. Uh, and so again, that's, you're right. That gets at sort of the root of the whole conversation of all conflict amongst humans is this idea that I don't understand you. Therefore there's something wrong and I must stop you from yeah. living a life that I feel is m more or less or better or whatever than me. Better you know? or worse. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but overall, yeah, I, it was fun. I enjoyed watching it. I like the Purge movies. They're ridiculous. They do give a lot to think about. It, it, a lot. It crams in a lot of conversation. There's not, uh, there's not a lot of subtext. We, this isn't, you know, well, speak Dracula. They play, they're playing Dracula in the, in a scene in the, from movie. the beginning. It's the beginning of Dracula. In the movie theater. <laughs> Renfield's and, there, like going to the castle. Right. But this isn't like us watching Dracula and like pulling out, you know, conversations of like the stock market crash and, you know, vampirism and, you know, what did that, that's not like that at all. This is very, this is very on the nose. But it was fun, and I enjoyed watching it with you. And hopefully, our dear listener will check it out and yep. be like, "Yeah, Start you guys up. didn't need to say all this stuff. You're just mansplaining." Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for that comment. I'm waiting for the "Are you are you mansplaining horror to us?" I'm like, "No, yeah. we're we're just talking." <laughs> right? No, I mean, I get it's not really mansplaining. We're not directing yeah. this at women. Yeah, exactly. We're not saying. Uh, like, but you know, tell you how the this is. is definitely one of those movies where people can watch it and then listen to us talk and be like, "So you guys just like just said what happened in the movie." <laughs> this was not an academic discourse, but that's okay. Not everything has to be. No, we we've gotten good about that, right? We've- but I mean, again, this fits in with our overall pur- purview of how horror reflects back cultural anxiety. Yeah, and again, I do. It's prescient in this in this manner because it's. I mean, the the insurrection had not happened yet. I mean, obviously, we have like civil wars and other things you can base it on. We have a pattern yeah. throughout history of seeing kind of what happens when you push any faction too far, uh, and and you know, and what can happen. So it's not so out of the, you know, the realm of consciousness, you know, just like, but again, when the, when the events of January 6th happened, I was watching like, well, yep, this may, yep, this is where we're, (laughs) this is where we're at. So I'm not surprised. Anybody who's shocked has not been paying attention uh, to some degree. So what do you think the next movie will be called? Oh gosh. Yeah. Cause they're definitely going to do another one. So we got the forever purge. So what the all of America is on fire. That's what they showed us. And that there are 2 million refugees Living in in Canada in or Canada, but I think in Mexico. in both, yeah. Because they, they kept one. Of, that's another thing I liked is they sort of wove uh, the news coverage, the news coverage. But it was like sometimes in Spanish, sometimes in English, and like kind of playing with those, you know, the the different realities uh, of 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 living in America. The very the you know stripping it down to just like English yeah. or Spanish, but yeah, obviously the scene the scene where the 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 purge announcement's coming out, yeah. and it's like okay, four people in this huge house, and then. And this like undisclosed warehouse where all of the migrants are right the are trying to rise yeah. uh, hide out uh, right out the purge. Yeah, the, I, I thought that was a, a cool way to do that scene, you know, and yeah. show that that juxtaposition. I want like an Avengers Endgame kind of purge. I want like Purge and Purge, <laughs> where it's like um, <laughs> it's the whole world blows up and it's over. Well, no, where it's like uh, Frank Grillo's character comes back with the with the president, and then Josh Lucas and Adela and Juan come back and then you know all of a sudden like Lena Headey is there <laughs> with with her kids like this is what I want them all to be in one movie and that'll be the final one the first film is set in 2022 I think 20- so yeah or 4 I know it's set in the not too distant future, but I'm trying to figure out like, yeah. The, so the, the purge universe itself is almost 30 years of history. Yeah. And because this one's set almost in 2050. So I, it's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. These characters yeah, could all still to, be alive. We get 2050 and then it's like, we're all, we all see we're them all banding the same, together. We're all banding together. We see like the, the folks from the, from the first purge movie. Right. With, you know, where they're in the projects. Yeah. We see those folks. And then all of a sudden we actually see that Marissa Tomei is alive. This entire time, yeah, it'll be. I want that. I want the purge. I want game. them all to come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have no idea what they will call the next one. I mean, this was the Forever Purge, so yeah, the Purge Ever After. Yeah, <laughs> just so kind of the Purge in space. The Purge, the <laughs> right? Exactly. It has to go to space. Yeah, it's it, it won't be a you know a real. You can purge, but only on the International Space Station. Okay, so the first purge, the film called The First Purge, is set in 2017 as the first experiment. And then The Purge is 2022, Anarchy is 23, and then the Purge television series is somewhere set in 2027 to 2031. 
election year. Yeah, election year is 2040, and then this one is 2048. So, yeah, that's quite a bit. I mean, that's almost 30 years between 2017 and 2048. Um, Wow. It's quite quite uh, quite a timeline there. So, yeah, maybe it would be. The purge ever after the purge. Uh, they send them all to the moon, and then you. It, the, right. When you get to the moon, the it's purge a moon boot. landing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to spend billions to fly people to the moon to be murdered yes. immediately. Immediately, it's the purge interstellar. You know. <laughs> My God, <laughs> the purge interstellar. That's what it should be. Alrighty, well, check out the Forever Purge. It was fun. It was like a you know a ride. Yeah. I guess. It's amusement. a good ride. It was an amusement park ride. Yeah. All right, dear listener. Well, we appreciate... Uh, oh, what was uh, the the guy who accosted you at Gossip Girl? What was his name? <laughs> oh, yeah. we. So, Joshua, we got recognized I know. at uh, Gossip Girl. With, I did not. I mean, he recognized he, you. He recognized me, um, which made me think, like, I wonder how, I, I uh, amongst all the memes, probably, but uh, someone came up to me and he was like, Hey, do you, like, are you the guy from that, um, Instagram where they do the horror movies and stuff? And I said, yeah. And fright school. Yeah. And he's like, Oh cool. I love your account. You know, it's so much fun. So shout out to you, Jose, if you're listening, um, shout out to you. We really appreciate you. Keep listening and, you know, let us know that you heard this. Yes, uh, please. Because you, you left before I could get Joshua to meet you. Cause Joshua was really good about meeting fans. <laughs> fans meeting fans yeah. meeting people who just want to listen to his talk i yeah. love it yes i uh, know i always uh, anytime getting to talk to horror fans or people who like what we do is always is, i mean it's appreciated yeah. you know because you sit down you have these crazy ideas and put it out into the world i'm and, just waiting to meet someone and be like your thoughts on this movie were awful and i'm like well let's go let's yeah. do it Take the earrings off. Take my shoes off. Let's do it. I welcome it. I, I really, you know, I, that's the point of horror is that we can all have different perspectives. And I love that. But it was just funny to be out at a drag show and have somebody, be, you know, well, you're the you guy. Know, our fans are definitely going to be at drag shows. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. All right. Well, Joe, as always, thank you. I, it's so fun doing this with you. It's horror fun. Sherpa. It's fun. Yes, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun riding your back. <laughs> All righty. Well, good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.